Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by author Leopoldo Gun to talk about his latest novel, Piñata. So thank you so much for coming and welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I love podcasts and I love your program, so I'm excited that you chose us. I mean, of course. And for our listeners who are not aware, can you tell us a little bit about your novel, Piñata? Well, Piñata started a long time ago. Um, it was an uh, honest exploration of like a lot of feelings that I had during the last unnameable presidency, which I don't want to name the unnameable. And at the same time, I was you know, exploring the my culture, my background is Mexico City, but my father grew up in Chiapas and one of his relatives was Zapotec, indigenous. And in Mexico, you know, when you grow up in the middle class, they try to hide it sometimes. You're, you're, it's a, they have a very strange relationship with the indigenous culture, which is changing. And I couldn't be more excited and, you know, thrilled when I saw a, a direct relative with with a Zapotec lineage. And um, my first novel, Ghost Radio, um, had elements of, 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 of that. And it was also a horror uh, book. And it's very funny that, that we're talking now so many years later because uh, we hired a young workless actor um to um to perform on my the voice of my first book ghost radio and it turned out that that actor is pedro pascal so a lot of people are discovering my book again my first novel again thanks to him so i love it because it's kind of giving me birth but i mentioned ghost radio because it was the origins in a way of piñata like i started on uh what i call a rabbit hole of um of, of research, a lot of the art that I do in both in novels and in documentary work that I do in movies and in co contemporary art have are all, they all spring from the same rabbit holes. It's really weird. Like people think I do a lot of different things, but I really not. I, I, I have the same kind of methods when I work uh, on different mediums. And in the, in the case of Piñata, you know, I started, uh, I was in the middle of the, of the, wormhole years ago and i discovered this horrific image about that where a bunch of priests uh catholic priests uh subjugating aztec children and back in the day what i discovered was that they used piñatas to fill them with food and they would grab terrified starving children and force them to hit the piñata now it's so weirdly specific and it's so terrifying visual that it has to be true because it's almost like it's too weird and too specific to be, uh, uh, you know, fiction. And I really love to go into history and really actually look at the drawings of the people that lived there. And, 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 it, and it really, I felt it was one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. And, and it was, at the, you know, so I put it in a drawer and it, it percolated for, for a few years. And then when, you know, when I um, I finished my my last book, Monarca, which is kind of the opposite of Piñata, that that was uh, about my my daughter, kind of passage between a young woman to a teenager, in an illustrated book, you know, as I said, called Monarca, and and I and I and I I kind of like when I was was my my COVID book, and I was very immersed in that in that observations of, of my my amazing daughter Ines how 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 she her mind was exploding with rage at the uh, last presidency so so she kind of connected me to this female rage that I'm super um, passionate about it a little bit because I, I was raised in a tiny apartment with lots of books with a very feminist larger than life mom who we we never had a lot of money but we had a lot of culture and i grew up meeting writers and 
artists that went to Mexico and like Luis Buñuel, a filmmaker and uh, his family and, and uh, the, uh, you know, the, the Carlos Mosibais, a great intellectual and, and uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. There was a lot of inc incredible people in, in Mexico City that you would bump into that kind of changed the world as, that I, as, as far as I saw it and, 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 and visual artists as well. So we all grew up with that kind of like, you know, layers of culture. And, and I, and I, um, my mom was an activist and she had that rage that my daughter is, you know, manifested years later, my mom passed away, but she, but she really passed the torch of that passion to my, to my daughter. So, I just kind of connected those two worlds of the rage on the one side of, of that horrific image. I'm really big in one image can really trigger an entire novel, a movie, a, a series of paintings, a series of, of books and, and whatnot. And in this case, it was that super scary image of, of just imagine the, the fear because they would use the piñatas by painting the gods of the indigenous people of, the, of, the, of Mexico and and, and they, they were trying to indoctrinate the children by many methods. And there was a kind of like very violent way where they would, they were turn, you know, pulling down the pyramids and, and building churches on top of those pyramids and using the same stones of the pyramids for the church. And even if you, any church that is 500 years old or more in Mexico is probably made by the stones of a pyramid in the location of a pyramid. So it was kind of a, that kind of rage that, I felt it was horrific and it was a collective trauma. And I and I felt, you know, I know that Octavio Paz, our writers have dealt with it in a kind of more intellectual way, but as a fan of the genre of horror, uh, I wanted to, to explore it and dive into it. And it was very, you know, it was an amazing kind of cathartic uh, process to, 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 to write the novel. Wow. Well, something I did want to ask and something you had mentioned was how indigenous culture and history is taught in Mexico. And you said growing up in Mexico City, it wasn't there. But you did mention that that's getting better. I think it's a struggle. I mean, there, there were always that kind of like double life that they would like talk about the Aztecs and we would do our research papers on the different cultures. But it was very editorialized and very weird. And they... Um, um, I do think that I grew up with a very open-minded mother. So I'll give you an example. She, she she would support lots of different groups and people and, you know, did a lot of activism in support of, 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 of people. And, um, and she had a lot of friends who were indigenous and, and a group of women who used to come to visit us once a year and they would bring these masks. And I love the the power that the the price of the masks were totally different than what we have experienced in our own culture. So their their masks were priced in the in the level of dancing. So if the mask was very danced, it would be more expensive, even if the mask was smaller than another much bigger, more colorful, more intense labor uh, mask that you would presume that's the expensive one, but they're their system of values was super different. So the, the, the priciest masks were the ones that they danced a lot. And they would say, well, this was really danced for days, so it has to be more expensive. So that really blew my mind when I was a kid, like just seeing the magic that, that um, they had. And I was lucky that we had friends who were archaeologists and contemporary uh, archaeologists or artists that, 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 that very intimately explored the the art of the of of many different you know civilizations and and cultures that grew in the in, in mexico and i was very lucky to to go deep into into that for years but but you know in general you know there's a lot of stories i mean i think that this definitely has been a, a theme in my recent work I, I have a tv show that's coming out on netflix called American Jesus based on a graphic novel from Mark Miller. And I did literally, my brother and I created the show and we literally pulled in some of these ideas into the writing of the show and, and the 
and and we were lucky enough that we met uh, incredible indigenous population near where we were shooting, and they we they were very curious of our work, so we integrated their culture into our with their permission. We worked with them, and they be, you know two of them became major actors in our in our show, and they speak their language in our show. It's really cool because it came very organic, and they they were really fantastic in the it wasn't like like a forced presence it, they their characters really moved the story forward and and it was um it was a really great collaboration so in mexico yes it's been getting a little bit better but it, i think that we have way away ways to go on the service of remembering the the cultures that kind of got squashed by the the first conquest and then the second conquest, in my opinion, is kind of the influence of, of American and European culture that that kind of dominates the the theaters and the radio and the music. So so there's like a double or triple um, colonization, um, and this time around it's more cultural. Uh, and I, you know, I left my country, so I'm not saying that I'm perfect at all or anything. But, you know, I, I am, um, you know, I still have family there. I go a lot, and we shot this the show there, so I have, I have lots of roots there still. Um, but, but yeah, that that's that's been a process that I hope that keeps getting on fire. And and by the way, you know, my first movie that we ever made, uh, you know in 2011 was the lead character we we cast and you know Tenoch Huerta who was Namor in the in the Black Panther and he mentions us because he said before the my brother and and I hired him on 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 Days of Grace our first movie like he never he always thought that he would always play the bad guy in all the movies and and we 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 we, we worked with him as a lead and we you know, we met him in a, doing a short film, and he was such an extraordinary actor that we really fought to, to before before anyone had given him the the leading role. And now now he's one of the you know greatest Mexican actors, and he won the the Mexican Academy with our film. And from there, he's been, you know, he, he we were we've been lucky to work with him on a few projects. Wow, did not know that. I mean, as someone who works in so many different artistic mediums, how does that translate to writing a novel? Well, I think that, first of all, I'm dyslexic, so my process is very tortured. Uh, it's easier for me to paint than to write. Um, thank God for my publishers and my editors and the, all the people that take care of me, because otherwise it would be a disaster. Um, but my imagination is where I... Where I where I land and, and my curiosity and I feel like, as I said, I don't see the difference of my process when I'm making a visual art form on a painting or a sculpture. I I worked with memory and I work through layers of information and ideas that float in the ether and I capture them and I and I and I and I and I and I, and I smell them and I grind them into layers of ideas on the surface or on a on a, on a specific structure or on a sculpture, whatever I'm doing. And um, and it's the same that I do with, with writing. My process is very similar. I start with some obsession with an image, with a character, with something very specific and very intimate. And from there I, I go, oh, this is exciting. And uh, in the case of of uh, Piñata, I, you know, I, I imagine a scene that, that was the first thing I wrote is I imagine these kids getting dragged 500 years ago and forced to 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 kick the piñata and the until the, the the receptacle broke and then they would jump to eat the food and kind of like it reminded me that catholicism you know practices you you know cannibalism every day in their mass i mean they eat the the flesh and the blood of christ it is weird because like they came to Mexico and they, you know, they claim that the Aztecs were doing human sacrifice. And I don't see the big difference between like those civilizations. I mean, I know there's a difference, but it's the, the, the murder that the 
you know, that the church had done for for centuries and on the name of God and the on, on one gods and they replaced that bloody God with an with their older bloody God. So I I to me was a a, a continuation of a curiosity of that of that craziness and that that madness and that was like the the spark like all of my projects get at some point from nothingness i get this spark and then it can change and it can end up in a you know musical or whatnot i'm very free about the form like i've had projects that start with a drawing and end up in a book like in the case of monarcha or some projects start with a image that I see in a research and it end up in a book like in Piñata's case and in movies the same it's it's all like a, a layered process where I use everything that I can and I'm like a voracious consumer of information or you know art and ideas and books of other people and stories and and I'm, I'm just endlessly curious and I think I hope that it's reflected into my into the piñata books and i hope that people that read it can can smell my energy a little bit because you know we we have a short window in this world for our existence so i have a hope that i can inject some energy into 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 that that moment and i, I you know i take your the time that people give you as an author as an artist very seriously yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, the prologue to Piñata in itself is extremely harrowing. Yeah. I mean, it is quite the way to open up a story. It's crazy because a lot of people have been criticizing the book saying, like, why didn't you do the whole book like that? But because the book happens in modern time and the prologue is like 500 years ago. But I feel like I, I, I was not ready to do that book, only to do it. 500 years ago because you know i i don't know i don't think that it's my book to write yet maybe it is but i i feel i would like an indigenous writer to do a horror book i would love to you know you know i know i have some indigenous blood but i didn't grow up as an indigenous person i don't i didn't grow up with their culture so i would be fascinating to to have like a yaki or a Purepechua, which are the Michoacan, like your mom, the, the Purepechuas are the Michoacan, um, one of the many tribes down there in central Mexico. And, and um, so I, it would be amazing to to empower and help uh, a, genera a younger generation of indigenous people to express themselves with the tools and the mediums that we had. So hopefully this helps on that process. Yeah, and I, I think there's something to be said about it being written in the modern day and that we're following a Mexican-American woman who is going back to Mexico. You know, she's bringing her daughters. She wants to share her culture with them, and maybe she feels a little bit of guilt about what that looks like. And in that journey, we get this story of history that was taken. It's funny because that that is a very complicated part of the book for, my, for me because I married the love of my life which we've been married for 20 years my wife and they uh and i have two american kids and she's very she's american i mean she looks more like italian or something but she you know her mom was her family was all the way to the mayflower but really americans which if you would have asked anyone of my of my friends in mexico that i would end up marrying an american woman she they they would have like laughed you out of the boat because i was so crazy and passionate about you know diverse cultures and stuff but you know you can't predict love and um and and it just happened so my conf my com com complication is that i have american kids no matter what how i spin it even though they have mexican papers as well you know they grew like i, I you know we, we're we're an intense family but i have because i do so many things most of the time I'm away and she, as a mother, she decided to take less, you know, jobs outside of the family and spend more time with our kids, which I liked, you know, I, you know, it, it's her choice, her life that she wanted to, you know, be a mother. And uh, that's fantastic for us. And it's great for our kids. But, you know, that means that they grew up with, uh, you know, 
in an American household, and my wife as an American, you know, it's uh, English is by far their first language. So it's 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 sometimes, you know, I get sad about that uh, because I think I could have been a, a lot more proactive. So I exercised a little bit of those feelings in the book. They're very personal, and I. But at the same time, it's a it's a it's an entertaining novel. I didn't want to be heavy-handed with it. I just wanted to express in the tropes of the genre of horror, I think that you can get away with doing a lot of stuff, which to me is fantastic. So it's very personal in some ways, even though it's a, it's a exciting, you know, supernatural thriller, but I still managed to inject a lot of my personal uh, traumas and frustrations with myself and, and as a expat, as a Mexican living in New York all these years, as an artist, uh, you kind of are transplanted and there's a lot of things that you win and you earn and you make, and there's a lot of things that you lose. And it's when you're in the middle of that, it's, um, it's fascinating and, and kind of uh, crazy to, to, to dive into those emotions. Yeah. Well, speaking of the horror genre what's your history with it did you grow up being you know a kid who liked horror no um not really i i grew up i did love big influence to me was night of the living dead because i saw it when i was probably 13 in a cineteca in mexico city and it was projected in film and i was very moved by the idea that you could deal with racism through a zombie movie to me was like like an explosion in my head and then like you know obviously some of the aztec paintings and art in the manuscripts are terrifying and and some of the monsters that you do and when you grow up in mexico it's like you you are you see everybody has a ghost story i have personal stories that happen weird shit and it's not like if as if i'm i'm a total believer but 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 with with a grain of skepticism very strange phenomena has happened to me and you know i could talk hours on this and um and the 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 reality of of our world is that we we are constantly reminded of that in mexico and for example you know i love how some of my aunts you know when they you know a specific one aunt, what she read Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and she was talking like, I don't understand why they call it magical realism. Where are the, Where's the magic? Like for her, all of the spirits and things that that book evokes, it's like normal. It's like everyday <laughs> life. So she's like, where's the magic? I don't get it. You know. So, um, and, and then uh, one time I was in a vacation in some beach in Mexico, and, and I was probably also 13, 14, and some American left there their uh, their copy of Pet Cemetery and it blew my mind that book like King Stephen King did a it's a magnificent book on like it really blew my mind of the creepiness of the you know kind of how he he also used indigenous ideas into his into his world and rage and indigenous strangeness and the Frankenstein he, he kind of put Frankenstein upside down in a way and and then years later, I read another book that really influenced me was "Let the Right One In" by mm-hmm. like I don't I can't pronounce his his last name either, but um, that book blew my mind of how somebody can grab a, the idea of a of a you know of a, of a vampire story and refresh it and make it real, but still talk about bullying and a lot of things that happened. You know, I was bullied when I was in school. I still have nightmares about it. So that book really touched my heart. Um, then, you know, the, my first novel started with, um, I remember looking at the last image of The Shining, of the movie, not the book, the movie where, where the, the Kubrick pans into, dollies into a, into a photograph of the hotel in the 20s and Jack Nicholson is there. And I really realized that little dolly in transformed you because it was it changed the whole movie your whole movie suddenly you were oh my god the whole movie maybe was the the dream of the hotel and that's kind of like part of my art like i I, i'm doing a painting right now of a dog 
sinking on sand like Goya's uh, art, which is very nightmarish. And since I'm a kid, I'm fascinated by the 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 monsters of uh, the artist Goya, the Spanish artist from the 1700s. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. And and I, but I'm doing the dream of that dog. So I always had my work has always been like some of my visual work always is like the, those few moments where the you wake up from a vivid dream and it's vanishing but you still know that you saw something very vivid in your dream and i'm always fascinated how i can capture that visually in some of my art and obviously that spills into my my books but but at the beginning of i've been painting and making stories since i'm four years old so it's like since i was a kid i was always drawing like skulls and monsters and the fighting of the mm -hmm. two different powerful monsters and you know i got into trouble in school because i couldn't really i was very dyslexic but i was always writing my stories and doodling and when my mom passed away she left me a stack of my grades and back then they would write them by hand your grades and all my teachers would write you know leopoldo is kind of a bright kid but unfortunately he'll never make it because he only cares about his doodles and his little stories. And when, when I received the packet, I was reading it. My mom passed away and I was kind of emotional and crying and thinking of my mom. She left us all these weird little gifts uh, that he, she hid for us to find them when, when she was gone. And there were all stacks with a bow and said for polo. For my, that's how she used to call me. And, um, and, 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 I, and I was reading the, the, the teacher's uh, opinion. I mean, it was amazing because all of them were very, like, I was opening them in, in in my studio and I was looking around and I still doing the same thing. I'm doing my doodles and I'm writing my little stories and that never changed. And mm -hmm. and uh, but but for, for whatever reason the, the teachers thought that that would make me into a failure. And what's funny about it is that then I looked at the my mom's signature and it was so bold and confident and kind of I don't give a fuck. This is my son. Oops, sorry for my French, but I hope that the that you can slip in one bad word, but you know, my, my, the signature of my mom was so bold and so kind of like, well, that's who he is mm -hmm. kind of thing of signing, but saying like, I don't care because he was big and she put her name all over it. So it was really cool to, to, to have that little message from my mom of saying, yeah, yeah. you know, and she kept I, that for yeah, you. yeah. But yeah, so, so the horror started there and, and then, and then I think I was fascinated by the art in, in the like Goya, which dealt with a lot of monsters and stuff. And I was, you know, very fascinated. Then there's a female poet from the 17th century called Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, who also influenced me a lot. And one of her big poems, she was a nun and she was beautiful and she was uh, an extraordinary lady and had to fight the Catholic Church to let her do her research and her and her work and 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 her most famous song is uh, a poem is Primero Sueño and it's really dark and mysterious it's a gorgeous poem of of shadows and monsters and like a Francis Bacon type of poem and she imagine she's one of the first feminists in Latin America and you should definitely you know it's a great memoir no memoir but a biography of her by Octavio Paz called the the, the trips or the the trips the trips of faith I think and it's a extraordinary book if you if you're into that kind of thing and 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 and, and then so it was always there in in terms of art and ideas but then when i read uh pet cemetery when i saw the the romero's movie of the night of the living dead those those things really and then the shining the ending of the shining and i was really young when i saw it but that scene uh really you know, hooked me because it was so gorgeously, you know, on the one hand is a, you know, a family that's falling apart. On the other hand, it's a metaphysical, crazy, yeah. uh, spiritual movie where the hotel maybe had every, everything you saw. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare that is, that the hotel is having or a dream. Mm -hmm. So all of those things really wanted me to, to play in this, in this genre and I'm, 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 uh, I love it. And the more I, you know, I love the movies that people do these days, like Jordan Peele and 
all of the, you know, the guy who did the witch. It's, it's extraordinary. So, like, like I'm very, I just find the the genre extraordinary. So, are you looking to adapt Pinata for for film or television? Yeah, I think it's a film, and I, we're I'm working with a with some financiers in a studio that I don't know if I'm allowed to say who it is yet, but. They're fantastic, and you know they they want to finance it. And I have a vision for it, but you know I'm I'm in discussion with a few directors because I'm you know I I, I, I do a lot of movies myself, and it's all about finding the perfect director like mm-hmm. like that really falls in love. And I, I really would love to to work with a woman just because it's a very feminist story, and I love the ideas that come from that feminine power. So the specific nature of what piñata is i would love to be able to find like mm-hmm. a powerful mexican or latin american you know or somebody that understands mexico uh and that she has sisters it's a, you know the book has a lot to do with being sisters and daughters mm-hmm. and um and i and i'm you know i'm fascinated by that energy so i would love somebody with that has that ex- yeah. that that kind of power yeah, that would be amazing um i know you mentioned earlier about the ghost radio audiobook but i had bought it years ago and uh when we were setting up this interview i was like that name like his name seems familiar and i went through my audible library and then i saw oh. the audiobook that I, I had bought several years ago and i said it's narrated by pedro pascal yeah i know it's amazing so, it's getting a whole new Life, the book, I'm so happy with it because I love the book and it got great reviews, you know, but it's about, it's one of those projects that I, I, you know, I, I felt that it didn't have enough exposure, like mm-hmm. being a Latin American writer, it's, it's, it's hard. Like, you know, like if you're the celebrity sister or whoever, they give you the view, they give you this, they give you all these platforms. And, um, and I, I think that when you're Latino, you have to like work 50 times harder to 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 get even near unless you're a super star like Salma Hayek then it's obviously they want you but you know I I, I think we struggle a lot in, ex, in, in, get, in getting the right exposure and you know mm-hmm. I've, I believe me I've tried I tried very hard to push to talk out the book and you know it got incredible reviews and now I'm so excited because people are discovering thanks to Pedro who's now a huge star mm-hmm. um so it's giving it a, a, a second round of life. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. I'm glad you're able to take advantage of the Pedro Pascal fever. <laughs> well, I mean, the book mostly is the book. I don't think I'll, you know, I don't think it'll reflect. Uh, I don't care if it reflects on, you know, money or not. It's more about, like, I want the story to be told multiple times. I, I love that story. And it's almost like a prequel to Piñata. So. Yes, they do. They do have similar themes, and I definitely see the inspiration with the the final shot of The Shining as well. Fantastic! Yeah, yeah. I'm happy you do because it's it's one of my most proud ideas inside of Ghost Radio. And in Piñata, I wanted a different book. I really wanted something a little less because Ghost Radio was very esoteric and it's weird and it has it's amorphous. And with Piñata, I wanted a little more of a like a, 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 a more of a propelling story that happens to, like a possession story that happens to a family i wanted it to be much more you know uh kinetic in a way you know um so 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 that's that's how the the book um kind of manifested in in the storyline of Pineta. yeah i do like that so i definitely have to check out monarca oh yeah I love that. Monarca is fun. It's a. It's but it's the opposite because Monarca is a. It's very young. It's for old family. It's very, you know, sweet. It's a mm-hmm. book that I wrote, pure light, and I wrote and painted it. There's over, two hundred images that I that I painted myself, and it, it and I co-wrote it with this wonderful, filmmaker Eva Arigis, who whose family is very big in Michoacan. His father, gave the sanctuary of the Monarca. Uh, the, the convinced UNESCO to declare it a national, a world heritage space, and now the avocado 
uh, you know, cartels are trying to cut those beautiful trees where all the monarchas go and, uh, and, 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 and make avocado farms. So you can't write this up. It's crazy. Yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful, poetic uh, uh, fable that was about my, you know, really just about my daughter. So it's almost like the exact opposite of piñata. Piñata is the the monsters and the and the beautiful horror, as I call it, which is a very Guillermo del Toro kind of uh, coined uh, phrase. Yeah. And um, and monarca is the opposite. It's like a fa- a little fable that it's also like dark butterflies and white butterflies exactly exactly and they actually appear so it's very weird because i was working on the books kind of almost at the not at the same time but in the same kind of period of my life and um and 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 uh it's just that monaco was supposed to be much earlier but it took me for i didn't calculate all the the painting i had to do so it, it took me a long much longer so they kind of ended up like being flowing from you know very close together uh which is you know not ideal um but it's something that i'm super proud of that that came out and and again like i think what what i love about you know my 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 piñata when you know is that the there's a i needed that catharsis i needed Mm -hmm. that kind of take the demons out of the for a walk kind of feeling and there's a great painting by Gainsborough that I used to see I I was lucky to have a scholarship to to do art in London for many years Mm -hmm. and um I used to go to the 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 British Museum and they have this beautiful painting by Gainsborough with his daughters trying to grab a butterfly and that's also a a big inspiration for Nyata because that painting is it's a weird composition. The butterfly is literally at the edge, the left edge of the painting. And you feel that if the daughters, the daughters are just at that moment when they're turning from girls to women, and you feel like they grab that butterfly, the whole world will go poof into darkness. And, um, and it's a very personal painting that he did for himself, for his family and and I kind of like really, like I've been seeing that painting for years and years and years, and it never bores me. It never, it always tells me story. This, and I started watching that painting way before I uh, had a daughter, but it was something that moved me. And now that I have a daughter and a son, like the painting kind of became more powerful. And that that moment, I really, I feel it also creeped into 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 piñata in a way. I, yeah, I love that. Also, how did you get into a sculpting with that? I know you studied that in, in college, right? Yeah, no, when, when I was a kid, I used to do art everywhere, in the walls, in the street, in the, you know, everywhere. Like, I was uncontented. And I, I didn't want to, I wanted to get out of Mexico. I grew up there, so I wanted to explore the world. I wanted, I, and I love that, the idea of Europe, because I, I didn't want to go to America and, 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 um, I felt that in your, I, you know, I, I'm very passionate about old world cultures, and and I was, England was a place that you know a lot of it's a small country, but they have David Bowie and they have Francis Bacon and so many of my William Blake, so many of my favorite artists, Peter Gabriel, Kate Bush, you know, so many of my favorite artists have come from England for whatever reason, and. Um, and I wanted to explore that and see it and, and, and learn from there and draw a little bit of that power. And, and, it, and it was the greatest thing. And in college, I, I went to, in England, you go to something that's called a foundation, with, which is a little bit like a mishmash of everything because you, you're a kid. You just were in high school and you don't yeah. know where you're going. So it, it gives you a year of, of kind of, you know, what do you want to focus on? And then. Uh, once I was there, like sculpture was so essentially uh, kind of, I was connected to it in a way, like I could do all sorts mm-hmm. of things in space and gravity and volume and they were real things. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
objects that I was creating, and and and, and very naturally, I ended up doing a, a you know, the whole college in, in, in like four years, the foundation year, and then another four years on, on of sculpture. Oh, wow. uh, and then, but obviously, I painted and I drew and I took all mm-hmm. sorts of different classes. And I was very the oddball; like everybody was very focused on conceptual art, and I love conceptual art. But I was, I've, I've never had. Uh, I love to make things. I love, I love the beauty of the things that I create. So I was more into, into my own process of, of, of trial and error of the materials that I like, and my influences are like. From cave painters to to uh, to to Stanley Kubrick to to Stephen King in my painting, yeah. you know. So it's it's. Uh, I think that all of the things that I do are a big soup, and I love the freedom that it gives me. That I don't have to to be, you know, like I would like to have my office said unestablished. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be established, <laughs> and uh, and that. And that that causes problems and confusion sometimes in Hollywood. Like they, you know, some people don't don't um, don't understand who I am, or you know, if I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And I, you know, I I'm I'm unashamed about it. I love my process. I love to create. I loved every second of making Piñata. And like, if we make a movie, it'll be so lucky to expand the universe into that world. Yeah. Um, I feel I believe in it a lot, and and I want to I want to play with it um, uh, as far as I can. I mean, and I with the beautiful people of Tor, my publishers, Night Nightfire, like the I love them because they when we when we set up Piñata with them, it was two book deals. So I'm 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 already in the middle of the of the second one, so it's 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 kind of like a a really exciting place for me uh, to work, and I, I I just love the. I'm very lucky that I'm there because I really believe that they are doing some of the most interesting, exciting genre uh, works out there, and I love their taste. I love that they they're big supporters of horror and the LGBTQ community and diversity, and all sorts of things. So I couldn't be more happy for that, you know, for the publisher. And who they are and what they've accomplished as a as a kind of a, a house of scribblers in a very particular way and you know it's been a joy to work with them so i hope that it succeeds because it will let me work more times with them <laughs> yeah definitely i i mean as someone who reads a lot of horror i was very happy to hear about the new nightfire imprint and i've really yeah. loved the stuff that they've put out yeah yeah it's fantastic and it's so oddly focused but also very free so it's mm-hmm. it's almost like a vibe like a, I, I, it, they make me feel I'm with Geffen Records when he started and he had like James Taylor and you know <laughs> and uh, you know Johnny Mitchell and that kind of people like I just feel like I'm in a rock and roll community <laughs> I love their books I'm buying their books as well you know I always support other writers so I buy a lot of books and uh, when I meet a writer, I meet even if I meet them in a coffee shop next to me by coincidence, I buy their books. I, I, I try to be very supportive of the of of other scribblers, you know. So one tradition we have on this show is to ask people what they've been enjoying in horror lately or a, a chilling obsession. So is there anything you've been enjoying lately? Yes, well, but they beat me out of the punch. Because I've been for years, I, I I'm a huge encyclopedic YouTube researcher. So I was on the trail of the mushrooms that make ants zombies. Mm. Uh, so I I actually had done a lot of research on that. So when the movie the TV show Pedro Pascal came out, I was so um, I was happy, but at the same time, I was like, shit, like, and I know it's a big video game and they've been using this for years, but I didn't, I don't play those video games. Uh, I, the, the, I'm scared of the time I could, like, I love those kind of things. I could like end up wasting a month of my life just playing those things. So I, I don't have any video games in my house because it's, it's a, it's a wormhole that you can't get me out of it. Mm-hmm. So, so I, my, my, 
but I still look, there's so many amazing little doc, weird documentaries that I, to me, they're like horror. Like, for example, you know, some of them are on YouTube, but some of them are big, like big documentaries, like Three Perfect Strangers. I don't know if, Three Identical Strangers. I don't know if you saw it. It's a, it's a, it's a documentary about three twins that they don't know their twins and they randomly meet because they, they live in the same area and people keep like confusing them and one of them not and he travels by coincidence to the, the state with the other two. So they basically find each other as three identical twins and it's very macabre how they were created and then uh, it's a great documentary and if you see that documentary with the perspective of a horror idea, I love that. I yeah. love the, the to watch some things for my own research and I think that so, so I'm I, I'm I'm really in the trail of that of like finding strange things in the real world that could potentially become my next book or my next idea or or my next influence mm -hmm. of ideas. So, so to me that that is more that is really fun for me to to obsess on. So I'm looking always for you know strange creatures or strange places in the planet Earth or unexplained phenomena. Or, you know, th that really weird recording of a radio station in Russia that nobody knows where it is and they've been trying to find it for years and they, it comes and goes and it's like obviously very connected to ghost radio. But it's, um, to me, there's so many really creepy, fascinating stories out there in the real world. And I, I'm, I'm constantly, that's my obsession. And I want to find the next thing always, like... Um, you know, the, when I found the, that, that mushroom that made animals into zombies, I was so taken, you know, I was so fascinating. So I, it took me into a huge mushroom journey and I've been, you know, I've been exploring microdosing and I've been exploring the, the power of mushrooms. And I, that is like, I've read a bunch of books. That's a really big rabbit hole that I yeah. have. Yeah, I think there's been a, a bit of mushroom horror lately i mean there's just so many ways that that can go yeah i mean i'm not doing a mushroom horror yeah. book because i feel it's super well said in, in 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 the last of us but but i'm but i but it took me into the power of plants and i am mm -hmm. exploring that and i have no idea where it will take me or if it, if it'll appear in a book or in a painting or in a or just me having to microdose or in all, all sorts of other manifestations of my art mm -hmm. but i'm fascinated by it and i'm and i'm and i don't know it's i love i love this is exactly what i happened with my paintings and my books it's sometimes i'm working on the layers and of the ideas i don't know how it's going to get there but i but i'll know when i'm there so i don't yeah. plan that oh i'm going to do a book about that very rarely in the case of piñata this book definitely started with that image that I saw of children being, you know, forced to 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 break the, the, the piñatas and the piñatas being painted with the symbols of their gods mm -hmm. and then forced to eat the food on the floor. That, to me, was horrific. That really was a spark. And also, if you analyze the song, you know, another thing about piñata, which is cool, is I'm going to, I've been releasing songs that are, based on the famous song. I don't know if you've been to a piñata party, but in any Mexican, when you're hitting the piñata, they blindfold you. Yeah. And then they, there's a song that is dale, 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 no pierdas el tiempo. I'm not going to sing because I have a terrible uh, <laughs> voice, but you can look for the song. And 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 when and, and the, the words of that song are terrifying because it's dale, dale, dale. It's hit it, hit it, hit it. No pierdas el tino, don't miss out, don't, don't lose the aim. Porque si lo pierdes, because if you lose your aim, pierdes el camino, you get lost. And it's camino and then there's destino. So it's, there's, a, there's an evocation of like, your spirit will get lost if you don't hit this piñata. Your, yeah. your true north, like the Catholics like to say, yeah. will get lost and they, they, that's a yeah, yeah and, that, and that's a big part of the book and so I, I i thought holy macaroni so all the great horror films of the 80s like 
Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger, they had this children music slowed down at yeah. the beginning of the movies that were very, very eerie. And I'm doing that with the Piñata song. And I, I research and it's a free song, so anybody can use the lyrics. Ooh, There's yeah. no no one. It's a it's public domain. So I'm doing with this great musician, and I'll send you copies of it. Oriana, yeah. um, um, she is a you know I'm, I'm exploring with a few musicians, but the first one the, that finished the one of the songs is Oriana Giri, and she's a great young. Uh, Mexican musician. She's studying in Europe and she made me a few of the songs. So I'm, I'm, make sure we're connected in email so I, I send for your playlist because these are full yeah. songs that are using the Piñata song but with a connected to a horror. And I also have a bunch of Ghost Radio songs in SoundCloud. So I'll send you some. Oh, yeah. I always work with musicians when I'm writing. But in the case of Piñata, it's very connected to this you know, question of your obsession. So because sound you know the whole thing of piñata. The one of the big premises is like the sound of the of the of the Nahuatl people, and if you the memory for it. If if we forget it, what will happen? If we forget yeah. how the language sound, and that's kind of the engine of the the the, the uh, part of the engine of the horror, horror story. So sound will be very important in the in the if we adapt it to movie, but also in the book. I'll I'll yeah. for the next year I'll I'll release beautiful or weird or strange songs mm-hmm. and sounds around the book as companions to the book. Well, that's very interesting. I'm, I'm very excited to hear, hear yeah. that. But speaking of songs, the other tradition that we have on this podcast is to ask our guests for a final girl song. So I know people interpret this a lot of different ways, but yeah, like the final girl standing at the, at the end of the movie covered in blood. What's your song? Yeah. Well, apart from, you know, Dale, 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 my version of it, because that's going to be fun. The, I, I love Voodoo Sweets by Perez Prado. Uh, it's a song that I want to use in in a, in a horror movie one day. It's a beautiful, strange, it's almost like you feel that you're in a weird kind of a ritual when you hear it. And, um, and, and it's so, it still stands with the time, with the t- times of, with a, you know, with a, with a oceans of time, mm-hmm. it still stands fresh and weird and cool. And it, it, it is a, an extraordinary song. And I, it has a long overture with drums and it's, it's, it, you feel like you're, I wish I was literally tripping with peyote when you hear it. And it's, it, it can get you there in the, in a space, but I feel like in the context of the end of a movie of a girl at the end of the, mm-hmm. if Piñata was a movie, I love the transition into that song because it's it, it it definitely it's written with that fire that that song was wrote written in fire mm-hmm. of the gods. I can feel it. You can feel it. So I recommend people to play it really loud and just let okay. the the sounds go and. Um, have a bottle of wine or tequila on the sun or mezcal on a sunset and just play it really loud or on a moon, like under a big moon and just hear that song. It's fantastic. What was it called again? It's the, um, it's called the Voodoo Sweet. Oh, okay. By Perez Prado. Voodoo, like V-O-O-D-O-O Sweet, S-U-I-T-E, Voodoo Sweet by Perez Prado. Ooh. The uh, be... Mambo King. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I will be adding that to the playlist so people can check that out. And I will see if I can find a version on Instagram to to post on there. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds really good. So I'm going to have to have to get myself ready and set the scene before I listen to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't jump on it. Like, And I'll send you some of my songs of okay. uh, like the both of Piñata and of uh, Ghost Radio, just so that you can explore it. Yeah, but this was very lovely. Yeah, I had a, I had a great time. It's been very fun. I've, I've enjoyed this. But thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on here and talk to me. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm so happy that you invited me. Thank you so much. And, you know, you I'm always available for good podcasts. Oh, awesome to hear. Well, thank you. Everyone can go check out. When does your book come out? It'll probably be out by the Yeah, it's out now. Okay. You guys can go. Please buy it. It's Piñata uh, by Leopoldo Gu. 
and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed creating it. And, you know, it's easy to find me online and my Instagram is Leopoldo Leopoldo, just my name. So it's very easy to DM me. I'm a very open sourced person. Well, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Un abrazo. Un abrazo. <laughs> Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Books in the Freezer. Or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes will be at booksinthefreezer.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to leave a review on a site like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast that allows you to leave a rating. Um, a recent five-star review on Apple Podcast is from Tanya Estes that says, an absolute delight. This is the first horror podcast I found and remains a favorite. I love that we get a woman's insight into horror, but I also love how mellow Stephanie is while remaining entertaining. Thank you. This allows the guests to be centered. Too often, hosts of podcasts center themselves, and Stephanie does a good job of keeping the show moving while making the guest feel like the star. Very well done. I also love that she asks thoughtful questions and has many great themes. Very entertaining show. Well, thank you so much for leaving those kind words. And as I mentioned before, you can leave a five-star review. I mean, or whatever star you want to review. It's your life. Obviously, you get to share whatever your opinion is on the show. What would I prefer personally? Five-star, obviously. Um, but you could do that at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, another way to support the show is just to tell a friend about it. Spread the word. Post about it on you know, wherever you are in the interwebs, Instagram, Instagram stories, Twitter, just talking about it, word of mouth, um, in real life recommendations, you know, they're huge for kind of small one person indie podcasts like this. Another way to support the show is to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There's a one, three and a $5 level of support. There's like pay once, annual options where I think you get some kind of a discount if you choose to do that. Um, but there's all kinds of different perks at each level. I think the lowest level you get early episode releases, but at the other ones you do get uh, Voxer group chats, bonus episodes, knowing what theme episodes are coming up as well as guests when I have authors on um, and having the ability to ask questions and have your questions be included in episodes where I, I talk to people. So check that out if that sounds interesting to you. That is at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. Uh, and I think the last way I usually mention on here is just using affiliate links. So yeah, if you go to the show notes, there's affiliate links for all kinds of different things. Libro FM, Fangoria, there's an Amazon link. So just doing normal shopping that you would normally do just clicking that link uh helps out the podcast a little bit so thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that i'm stephanie you can find me on instagram at that's what she read that is that's with two a's or on twitter at lady underscore ganya that's l-a-d-y underscore g-a-g-n-o-n so thank you so much for listening and see you next time on books in the freezer.